Hello everyone, Ben Maynard here. I'm a product and agility specialist and I have taken myself to Warsaw, Poland for the LESS Conference 2022. It's been a few years since I was last at a LESS Conference and this one has rekindled my love for them. So much so that I wanted to take a few minutes, well specifically 10 minutes, with some of the people whose talks that I saw or that I missed to get them to sum up their talk in 10. So, without any further ado, let's begin this episode. So I'm joined by... Robert, who is a newly anointed certified less trainer. Uh, Robert B would be a terrible thing to call you before there are two Robert B. So Robert uh, Batusik, am I saying that correctly? Almost Robert Batusik. Batusik. You'd think after knowing you for yeah. a year or so that I would have mastered your surname, but apologies, I'm, I'm English and as a consequence struggle with anything that isn't in any way purely English. I was uh, Robert's mentor, through, I say I'm kind of donning my head of this but you didn't need much mentoring and we got together must have been around a year ago where you shared your case study with me and I I, I helped you along the way perhaps a little bit um, but it was a great case study Robert's a brilliant person and I'm here with him at the LESS conference 2022 to ask him some questions and learn more about what led him to the point where he's at today so hello Robert how are you? Yeah I'm great at the LESS conference here in Warsaw. Uh, so I started this journey in, uh, I don't know, 2015-ish uh, when uh, I worked for a company named SolarWinds. You might have heard the name. Uh, and I work on a product that uh, consisted of more than, I don't know, 200 developers. Or it, Actually, it was a family of products, but 200 plus altogether. And... Um, we adopted Scrum at some point in time, uh, but of course, Scrum, as it was defined, uh, just didn't tell you what to do when you have 200 people. It tells you quite well what to do when you have seven people. Uh, and I, I had some experience with, with higher um, numbers of developers, like 30 plus, um, but this was something different. So I was looking for ways to uh, organize these uh, 200 developers in some sensible way worked as a scrum master there and so you, uh, you were a scrum master at that time or I, well my official title was uh, i don't know engineering manager or whatever i didn't care i always said i was a scrum master so uh at about that time i uh, came across books from craig larman and Baswoda about scaling agile development which later gave name to less so I started studying that because it made sense to me. And uh, I said, yeah, but that's probably something we want to try. And we, we started in around 2016, 17. Okay. What were some of the first changes that you made? So uh, our primary focus uh, at that time was uh, on the product owners because at that time, we, oh, well, to start from a different angle, we decided to do the adoption in one part of this product family only, consisting of, uh, of five teams, later six teams. And there we had uh, three product owners. Uh, so it was not exactly one product owner pen, uh, per team, as it's often the case, but it, it was almost that. Uh, so we decided that uh, we want to uh, reduce this and have just one product owner per team in order to uh, 
encourage the teams to be more self-managing and to be able to clarify requirements themselves and uh, uh, have more responsibilities. Uh, and we did this change um, back in 2016 and uh, kind of adopted less in this first uh, part, which uh, was not exactly a customer-oriented area, but it was a kind of a multi-component in this, this bigger family. How did the teams take to that initial change? So our, our adoption was a bit uh, atypical because it didn't go uh, by plan A, which is a flip. Yeah. Uh, it was more an incremental adoption where we introduced the less elements one by one. So the first one was uh, product owner stuff. The second one was to encourage teams to more self-organize and synchronize among themselves. So uh, in this first phase, after uh, we introduced one product owner and one product backlog, We had to teach the teams how to do common events. So we organized common sprint planning and common retrospective and uh, sprint review we had in a way before, but we did a little bit of changes there. Uh, so this was the uh, main focus uh, in the first half of the 2017 there. Was there any point in those early times that you wondered if you had made the right decision going with less? Not really. Uh, only that uh, after this initial uh, part of the adoption, I realized that uh, I was wrong in a sense that it's enough to start with the small part and ignore the other. Because I said, yeah, uh, we have enough work in this one part of five teams and these other 30 teams, they need to wait and we mm. just ignore them. Yeah. But it, of course, it, um, it's a strike back. back yeah. So, uh, after a time I came to the conclusion that we do not have a family of uh, 15 products, but in fact we have one huge product mm -hmm. and we shall behave accordingly. And I started talking to the management, uh, 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 that we shall actually do broader and deeper changes than I thought at the beginning. Okay. So if we then fast forward, so you've made that big decision, at least in your mind, yeah, you made the big decision, actually, we have got one product, which is so common yeah. when people start to look at less because it does encourage you to take that kind of whole, to really stretch your mind about what the whole product is. You speak to the leadership, you fast forward then. When did you start putting pen to paper on your case study and what made you decide to take that, that bold step on that less trainer journey? It was actually about 2019. So two years after this initial phase was done. And the reason why I started so late was uh, exactly because uh, I realized that we are not over and there is a long way before us. So or initially I didn't want to uh, write my case study until everything will be all right as I uh, imagined that. But around 2019 I realized, no, it will never be done. So it, I would rather start writing, otherwise I forget things. Yeah. So I started writing and actually I did write it for about a year, the whole, the whole text, because it about 50 pages of text so it took some time and so then 
you got the 50 pages. We, we spend a bit of time together mm. and then it gets to a point where, and at the time we're speaking, this is the current process, although I believe this is going to change in the future. Our relationship from a less mentoring perspective ended when Craig Larman got involved to then review the case study and start to kind of, uh, uh, do a, a process of a Lamanization, I think is the technical term. <laughs> so, and so I don't know much about what happened after that. And I'm guessing there was a there was a yeah, significant change, and some things got removed. So what? So what got removed that you were a little bit sad about? I suppose is a question I'd like to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Craig's approach to the case study is that he tries to find a theme about the case study. So. Uh, typically, uh, people, uh, candidate trainers, uh, describe a sequence of events mm-hmm. chronologically, which doesn't always give you a good story. And what, what Craig tries to do is to try to find a story that has a moral in it. And in, in my case, it was the incremental adoption, which meant that I had to restructure the text multiple times, sometimes a lot. And I had to uh, leave some uh, parts out. Uh, for example, uh, the later parts, uh, uh, chronologically, I mean, that happened after we extended the initial scope of the adoption from five teams to 14 teams. Uh, or I had to leave uh, the uh, technical part out completely about describing about how we Organize the build system, mm-hmm. how we optimize the automated regression tests, and so on. Uh, I still plan to write something on this, but just not not part of the case study. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fascinating because there was another person I was talking to, and I said to this person before the before they engaged with Craig, and maybe this is advice I might not. I can't forget if I gave it to you or not. But I said just for just for ease, why just take a copy of a case study like now. So then you've got it preserved as it was as it was originally. So then if it comes to a point where you want to release the unedited version, then you've got that. Now you've got excerpts. And one of the conversations at the candidate-less trainer meetup in Warsaw was around experience reports. And I wonder, is there a if you were if we were to engage the trainer commuter and say, the stuff that was chopped out of your case study, how easy is it to wrap those up as experience reports to be published out on the Less website? I wonder. I wonder if there'd be much desire for that. that. That's an interesting idea. I didn't think about it. Uh, so, yes, definitely snippets of it could be taken and somehow used uh, for experience reports. I would have to look at this. Uh, how much work would it be? Mm. I guess not that much, but it would definitely require some some work. In. Yeah, no, no, it was just a thought because I, I think that there is so much good stuff, which good stuff. Let me de Englishify that a little bit. There's loads of good stories and good chapters of stories which end up on the cutting room floor, and not because they're poorly written or because they're inaccurate, just because they didn't fit the theme. And I wonder if, yeah, if I mean, I can't even remember what was removed from mine. I think it was mostly just all the inaccuracies which were corrected rather than things being chopped out, but. I'd love, I'd be really interested in reading that. Kind of like Apocalypse Now, when they finally released like, the Redux version, which was the whole version, including all the bits that got cut out. I think, yeah, doing a case study Redux would be, my, would be maybe quite interesting too. Anyway, anyway. Uh, you are now a full-blown certified less trainer. Congratulations. What's the next steps for you, then, as a, as a, a, a recently anointed person? 
So I would like to focus on two areas. Obviously, adopting glass in companies is one of them. So I'm interested in companies where glass adoption is possible, narrow and deep. So ideally starting from the top management, going towards the, the developers. And because I'm originally a programmer, my second theme is uh, technical training. So I do trainings on TDD, on continuous integration, on specification by example. So that's also something which I gain experience through my career at SolarWinds and elsewhere, and which I would like to pass to the other companies. Have you heard of the Less Developer in Action course? I've just today spoken with Terry, who gives this course, and we have an idea how to uh, how to do continue here. Yeah. Ah, music to my ears! Such a fantastic course that no one other than Terry ever delivers, and he's been delivering it in some form for almost a decade now. And I, I would I would love to see that being delivered yeah. across the world because I think it's such a awesome concept. That's exactly the idea to uh, replicate the course of. We cannot exactly clone this because this is on a specific product, but to replicate the principles of the course in Europe and around the world. Yeah. I can't wait. He does it only in Asia. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see it. Let me know when you do the first course. I won't come because I can't code anymore. I am terrible at that. But I, I, will, I will happily... Let's get you back on the podcast, maybe you and Terry. And, and let's, let's talk about less developer in action course when you get to a good point. And we'll get you back on the podcast as well for the, for your less trainer interview when we are going to be resuming those shortly. So we'll get you on and we'll ask you for less trainer questions. And maybe we'll talk about some other stuff too. But before we wrap up for today, is there anything that you want to share? Anything you want to, any shout outs you want to make before we end the conversation? No, first, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. I'm very grateful. And uh, from my journey as a uh, candidate trainer and then last trainer, I think it was a great experience. I, I love learning and I learned so much. So I would recommend studying class to everybody, uh, especially the principles behind it, because it will make you a much wiser person, I would say, when you understand them. Um, and um, yeah, hope we'll uh, meet some of your listeners someday and we can have a talk it will happen Robert, thank you very much everyone thank you for listening and you will hear from us again soon thank you so much for listening it means a huge amount to myself and to my guests that you're taking time out of your day to tune your ears into what they have to say don't forget to subscribe to the Less Matters podcast on the platform of your choice so you don't miss out on any of the awesome people we've got coming up. And also some of the brilliant little excerpts from the Less Conference this year. So again, thank you for listening and I look forward to having you hear my voice again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.